Welcome to the second episode of the Six Figure Social Worker, where we'll teach you how to make a living while making a difference. I'm your Six Figure Social Worker, LA. And I'm your Six Figure Social Worker, Dr. Celia Williamson. Okay, on this episode, this is where we are focused on inspiring you and educating you to reach your career goals. So today we thought we'd slow down a little bit and just, you know, let you know who we are. So I'm going to interview Lashana Alfred, known as L.A., and then next episode, she's going to interview me, and we're going to be in full disclosure mode, and everybody that we interview, we're going to ask them to tell us right off the bat how much they make a year and exactly how they reach that goal. Okay, so Lashana, um, what do you currently do as a social worker and for how long have you been doing it? I currently contract with behavioral health agencies and um, I've been doing that for the last five years. Okay, and so how did you even get involved? Why, Why social work? Wow, why social work? So, you know my story. So, I was um, incarcerated. When I got out, My um, I was on parole for two years. And my parole officer actually said I would be a good social worker. At the time, I knew nothing about social work. And so, um, I just pursued that based on my parole officer telling me that I would be a good social worker. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Somebody that can actually be incarcerated live their dream as a social worker and also make six figures absolutely like that's amazing <laughs> so but how did you even get started okay your your parole officer said you look like you would make a good social worker and then what happened so I went I enrolled in school because after incarceration I had no desire to go to school that really wasn't my desire but after that um, encounter with my parole officer I enrolled in school I had intentions only to get my bachelor's degree in social work mm -hmm. and so um, actually I remember it was in your class when you encouraged the class to go the extra year to get our master's and I knew I had to go that extra year I knew I had to sacrifice not even going thinking I wanted to be a six-figure social worker I was going thinking I know I wanted to maximize in the field of social work and whatever that looked like I was going to pursue it. I remember actually I remember you telling me uh, I was going to mentor you and I thought oh okay I guess I <laughs> I guess I am um, <laughs> so, so now tell me what you make today how much do you make today so actually, on my last taxes, I made two hundred and twenty-five thousand. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, cash money, not pesos, not right. trinkets, <laughs> right. cash money. Right, right, right. That's Absolutely. amazing. So Absolutely. we're gonna get to how you do that. Mm -hmm. But what did you do? Did you start working after your bachelor's degree, or did you just go straight into the master's? Yes, I was working. Actually, when I was going. Um, obtaining my bachelor's I um, was pregnant that last year I had um, three other children at home I was single you know and I had to still work so I was actually working two jobs with three children at home and um, pursuing my bachelor's degree and so um, it was just the determination and the focus that I knew I had to do something different based on my past Wow see I think some of the listeners now 
know what it means when they're involved in trivia pursuit. They think their lives are so difficult. They can't do one more thing or put one more thing on their plate. But like you, when you have the drive, the energy, the dream that I know you still have, you're able to find time to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then what, how did you feel even going to your first couple of classes? <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I was like so determined. I was motivated. I was excited about going to the class. And it was nothing like how I had been, you know, after high school. Because I did try to pursue college after high school. But I was so, I wasn't focused. And focus for me was the key. Because I was focused, I entered in already with success on my mind. So how did you get focused, though? Well, I was focused because, first of all, I knew what what career field I was going into. Now, when I left high school and I went to college, I was thinking I wanted to be in marketing. (laughs) Then I wanted to be a lawyer. And I I wanted all these other things. So I wasn't focused. And so I got discouraged and I dropped out and I got distracted and all of those things. But focus will minimize distraction. And that's what happened for me. So how did you even find out finally that social work was a good fit for you? Like, what, what was that about? How did you find out that that was your, that was your dream? So the first class I took, I think it was Intro to Social Work. Mm-hmm. And when I took Intro to Social Work, it was like, okay, this is me. Like, I do this anyway. I didn't realize that I could, could get paid for what I do naturally. And so it was that class that helped me realize, like, wait, hold on, this is the connection. I'm actually on the right road, finally, in my life, you know. And then you just went straight on and pursued the master's? Or you said you worked after the master's? Well, I was working while I was um, in school. I was working the whole time. I had to, um, I worked third shift. And so working third shift as a house monitor and at a homeless shelter, allowed me to do homework while the residents were asleep. And so actually the third shift was actually a benefit for me. And um, I went to school during the day and still made time, ironically, for my children. And so you did the monitoring job while you were pursuing the undergrad or graduate? Okay. Yes. And then what did you do? Did you work during the graduate program? Yes. I worked the whole, the entire time. Same job or? No, not the same job. So what what happened, um, I, I graduated with my bachelor's in 2008. And then um, I, at that particular time, I was working two jobs in an alcohol and drug field. And um, I got promoted once. So I was a monitor at first, and then I got promoted to a counselor position. After I obtained my bachelor's, I got my, I immediately took my test my LSW test to become an LSW um, social worker. And so um, after that, I got promoted in one job. I stopped the other job because now I'm a counselor, you know, and I I just continue to pursue the education. And so how much did you actually get paid in your first job as a monitor? Do you even remember? Oh, I know. Or is that a bad memory? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know the hourly rate was probably like $8. Okay. Yeah. All right. Did yeah. you think you had some money in your pocket then, or did you know that wasn't really a lot of money? At the time, I think I, I thought I had some money in my pocket. Yeah. You know, I think <laughs> I did. I thought I had some money in my pocket because, again, I was doing what I love, which was yeah. helping people, yeah. you know? Yeah. And being able to be paid for it. So what yeah. about your next job as a counselor then? 
how how did you get that job and how much did you make then? Right. So with that particular job, I actually got hired. Again, it was a behavioral health agency. So I actually got hired just to be a body in the group room. And because of my tenacity, my determination, the director of that organization never paid me the $11 that she hired me for to be a monitor. And I began um, doing group facilitation. And I believe I ended up making like probably like 12 $12 or something like that at that particular time. So with my LSW, I was probably making um, $15. I thought you, you thought you had some money then. Oh, yeah. Because that was almost double. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And what year was that about? That was in 2008. Okay. Yeah, 2008. Okay. All right. And so... How did you, where did you go from there and how did your salary then begin to increase? So after, so again, I I went that extra year, got my master's and then I did the supervision. So for a minute, I was just making, even though I had my master's in social work, I was still making how much I was making with my bachelor's. You know, okay. because okay. I was going through my soup this two-year supervision in order to get my eye so yeah. I could become an independent social worker. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was going the two years, getting my supervision while working, you know, a job. Mm-hmm. And um, the crazy thing about it is my promotion depended on me passing the examination. Oh, wow. Right. That's a lot of stress. Exactly. And so not only did it, my promotion depended on me um, passing the examination, but my income Mm -hmm. depended on me passing this examination. And guess what? What? (laughs) Hopefully you passed it. I failed. Oh, no. (laughs) I failed. I failed, man. I failed. And the agency actually paid for me to take the test. And I failed. And I couldn't believe it. And I failed by two points. Oh, wow. I fell by two points. So here it is. Just just picture this. Here it is. I'm a single mom. I'm working. I'm doing supervision. And now I have to study for this test. And I mean, I was up late studying, waking up early studying. And then I fell by two points. And and I got to go back to this agency, this director who actually invested in me, who believed in me to let them know I failed this examination by two points devastation so 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 after the embarrassment of that and probably feeling suicidal and homicidal (laughs) how did you then get up the the nerve and the tenacity to even go back and take the test again yeah the thing was i had someone who believed in me now director the director at the agency she wanted me to be the clinical director at this particular agency. So she believed in me and I knew I couldn't just throw in the towel. I couldn't give up. Mm -hmm. And so um, I studied again and I knew, I'm like, okay, if I just failed it by two points, I gotta have this information. I must know it. Something, you know, minor went wrong so I can just go back after the 90 days because you gotta wait 90 days, Mm -hmm. you know, to take it again. And so um, I took it again. Wow, and then what happened? And I failed. No, no. I failed. I failed. I'm telling you, it was, I mean, and then I, after that moment, I did not want to take it again. Yeah. Because if you've never been in a situation like that, literally, I felt as if my chest, my heart was coming out of my chest, just waiting on the results because you get the results right then. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm not taking this thing again. I am done. You know, I got my LSW, you know, I got the job, you know, okay, I'm done. And so um, that was my initial thought. And then I had to sit back and say, wait, hold on, you're not done. 
You're not a quitter. You don't give up. Like, look where you've been through. You was in prison. You know, you got children that you have to let them know that it doesn't matter where you start. It matters where you finish. That's right. You know? And so that was the thing. I said, okay, wipe your tears, dust your knees, and get back up and get prepared to take the test. That's right. Because you you face scarier things than a test. You were in prison. But the the scariest thing I think you have to face is when you come home and look at your kids and say, we we can't, mommy can't make any more money to take care of. That's the scariest thing. Absolutely. It is. So you went back and you took it a third time. Well, well, actually, before I took it, before I took it this time, I said, it's something wrong. You know, it's something wrong because the first time I failed it by two points, the second time I failed it by five points. So I had to sit back and I said, something is wrong with this situation. What's going on? And so um, I invested in the boot camp and um, it was a few miles away from my hometown. I believe it's in Cleveland, Ohio, and um, I invested in the boot camp. How much did that cost? That cost about five hundred and ninety-nine dollars. Okay. okay. Yes, but I, it was worth it. Mm-hmm. I invested because they actually told me and showed me how the questions were asked. Yeah. So even though I may have answered the question right, I didn't answer it based on first. Mm-hmm. I didn't answer it based on best. You know, and I answered it based on my own minimum or limited experience yes. with the jobs that I've had. And so they had to really help me understand that, and that's what helped me. After that, I passed the test, and it was, I was just elevation from there. Yes, because <laughs> one, you had to invest in something. Absolutely. For your future. Yes. And two, it's okay if you fail once even twice, failing something doesn't mean you're a failure. Absolutely. So you picked yourself up, you went back in, mm-hmm. you got the training, education you needed. Yes. And you passed the test. And I passed the test. So then what did you do? So I continued to work for this agency for um, probably about two years in the capacity of clinical director. Mm-hmm. And, and you went in walking good. I went in walking good, good right, right. Good, running things. <laughs> absolutely, <Okay>. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I went in like, okay, you know, you believed in me and I delivered. You know, it took three times, but nevertheless, I delivered. That's you know, gotta feel good. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm at this agency and again, I got the promotion. And um, I became the clinical director. I did that for roughly two years. Mm -hmm. And then I opened up my private practice. Okay. So I opened up my private practice. So how did you do that? That's that's the thing. How did you even start? Mm -hmm. So, okay. So before I actually um, graduated college, I had started my own LLC Mm -hmm. where I um, self-published my book. Um, behind bars, a chance to change, and so I already have my own LLC. So how did you do going that? Because <laughs> I right. think you know a lot of social workers could do something on the side if they knew mm-hmm. how they even how to even get started. Right. So I had to research. You know, I mean, literally everything that I know today, I had to research. I knew that I had a story to tell. I knew that I, my prison experience it wasn't just me being in prison. I knew that I had to share this story with other people, you know. And so in an effort to do that, I said, well, me physically, I won't be able to be everywhere. So I have to write this book. And I can't do it the traditional way because that they take you through so much. And so I had to literally learn, research, YouTube, how do you self-publish your book? You know, I had to get individuals to edit the book. I had to, well, find editors. I had to go through that whole gamut. So literally, you would spend hours on the internet, yes. and searching around and reading. Absolutely. And when did you have time to do that? I Listen, we all have 24 <laughs> hours in a day. And let me tell you, I probably slept 
six of them. Okay. And see, that's the thing. That's what I had to realize. Some people sleep on the time that they could be doing something. Mm-hmm. I was up making it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, because I didn't get any more hours. Mm-hmm. You know, the creator didn't add any more hours, <laughs> you know, for little old me to make some dreams come to, you know, come um, to pass. And so, um, and so I already had my LLC. And when I opened my private practice, I literally opened it, just expanded my LLC. Okay. And so I began to contract with the agency. Now watch this. I began to contract with the agency that I was doing the clinical supervision for. I resigned from being an employee and I became an employer. I became an entrepreneur. And so I contract the same services mm-hmm. and made double. Yes, we call that running things <laughs> up in here. That's what I'm saying. So why work for the man when you can be the man, right? Absolutely. So you contracted with the same agency. Same agency. And made double? Made double. Wow. And made, so, made over double. I'm just saying double, you know, but literally made over double. So how did you do that? First of all, they um, want, again, the, the director wanted me there. And so um, it was through this series of negotiation because I knew that I had to get outside of the four walls. Mm-hmm. I knew I had to step in my authority. And so I had to I had to make that move, even if it meant no longer being a part of this agency. You know, I believe I was faithful. I gave them everything, you know, that um, the, I gave them back what they invested in me. Mm-hmm. And so I no longer felt obligated you know, to just stay there in that capacity. Oh, and I think a lot of people struggle with that loyalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you had to, at some point, step into your purpose. Absolutely. And have that self-esteem to think that you could come back to the same agency that you're now quitting. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's powerful because I think that's something we need to talk about as well as this, in this podcast, how to negotiate things like yes, that. Yes, absolutely. So how did you do it? Well, first of all, I knew. So as a clinical director, what I realized is that individuals doing that work get paid like $125 an hour. Mm-hmm. Where at, the, at that time, I would think I was getting 70 and check this out, $70 an hour. And I was like, yes. Because yeah. remember, I started off at eight. Right, right. <laughs> I started off at eight. So right. $70 an hour was like, whoa. Yeah. You know? And yes. so it was like, okay, well, now I understand my worth. And see, the reality was they understood my worth better than I did. That's a critical lesson because they, you made yourself indispensable to mm-hmm. them. You made yourself valuable to them. Yes. That, I think that's a key component yes. for social workers. You know, sometimes we we have self-esteem problems. Yes. But yes. you made yourself invaluable. They, yeah. they were still willing to pay you over double mm-hmm. just to have the value that you bring to the table. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And so what happened to the books and the magazines and, and things that you had on the side? Yeah. So um, what happened, I was still publishing books. I'm a three-time author. And I've also published other people's books. So again, I take full advantage of the hours that I've been given. Yes, you, you know? do. Yes. So I, I contract with two agencies at this particular point. Mm-hmm. But over the years, I've contracted with four. And so oh, wow. then I had to um, kind of narrow it in. 
and I contract with two agencies doing um, one agency I was doing 30 hours a week mm-hmm. and the other agency I was doing 20 hours a week and so how did you even get to uh, another agency to be able to contract with them mm-hmm. and see that's the that was the art of actually stepping out because as long as I was a clinical director just at you know being an employee I couldn't be you know I wasn't able to contract with another agency but now once I stepped out and became my own entity and expand my own private practice mm-hmm. it afforded me the opportunity to contract with other agencies so how did you even do that did you just call them up out of the blue and say hey I'd like to contract with you or did you have a relationship with them or yes I have relationships I have relationships and um, individuals knew I was available you know for contract they knew the services that I provided so how did they know you were available for contract so with one the one agency that I initially was working with that mm-hmm. built relationships, mm-hmm. and so um, we were where well, we are a outpatient program. Mm-hmm. The other agency is an inpatient program. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we would refer our outpatient um, clients to residential mm-hmm. if they needed you know a higher level of care, and so I was able to build that relationship. And then when they needed you know the services that I provided, they actually came to me. So you used all of your social work skills that you learn in class, mm-hmm. your interviewing skills, your relationship building, your collaboration skills, yes, yes. to then help you contract with them, which put more money in your pocket, yes. but also quality services for clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what's happening with these books? How did you, how do you sell the books, promote the mm-hmm. books that you have? And so the the books are actually extension um, of my LLC, of my private practice. Because the so when I do speaking engagements, I will have my books there for um, for sale. I have them on the website. Individuals can go to the website. They can go to Amazon, you know, to get copies of the book. All the books that I publish are designed to help individuals better their lives. And so, what do these books sell for? And- how many exactly do you have? So I have three, and they sell for $15.99. The one is Behind Bars, A Chance to Change. That literally talks about my prison experience and how I was locked and loaded behind bars before I ever got physically behind bars. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is Ladies Take Your Man Back. Now the man stands for mature assertive nature, and I wrote that um, after a relationship that I was in, and a young lady who was hurt by the gentleman that I had, well, the guy, mm-hmm. he was a gentleman, but, <laughs> but by the guy, right, right, <laughs> but by the guy that I was in this relationship with, and so um, it was just like, wait, hold on, there's a lot of people that are hurting, mm-hmm. whether it's through divorce, you know, relational issues, and so The Ladies Take Your Man Back is a book designed to help individuals take back what life has stolen from them, take back their confidence. You know, take back their their goal because a lot of times life causes us to push our goals mm-hmm. under the in our dreams under the um, rug. Yes, for sure. And so that's that second book, and the third book is the power of perception, healing from the inside out. And that book literally walked individuals through the four seasons of life, helping us see and understand mm-hmm. that every season they, it has a reason. So there's a reason in every season. And if you understand that, you won't go outside in the winter with shorts on. So I, yeah, I hear that. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, I could see some of the listeners 
wanting to get some of those books because that's really that will really help them as they start to build their six-figure career. So where can they even get these books? Yes, they can go to LashanaAlfred.com slash shop. Lashana Alfred, that's L-A-S-H-A-N-N-A-A-L-F-R-E-D.com slash shop. And they can get either of the books. And also other books that I've published for other individuals are on that website. Wow. And so when you help other people publish books, do you get a percentage of their books that they sell? They are actually purchase the books from me and then they get full. Oh, okay. Yeah, but they, there's a cost up front. Yes. So people that want to publish a book, they have something to say. Because mm-hmm. you're practicing social work even through your books. Absolutely. You're helping people to change and grow and learn. Yes. So if somebody's interested in writing a book and they want to contact you yes. and contract with you, how do they do that? Yes. They can um, email me at Lashana at LashanaAlfred.com. They can call our business number at 419 419- three two zero five four five two and they can um leave a message on my website that's amazing so you also mentioned presentations yes so how did you get into that and what what do you present on yes so here's here's the thing right so i've been um connected with a lot of different um speaking right or individuals who say they can help you get on stages the one thing that i love at this point is because of the work that I do, individuals call me and ask me if I can come and present to you know their audience. And so I really want the listeners to know your work will make room for you. Your gift will make room for you if you continue to just do the next thing to get you to where you desire to be. Doors will open. Remember, I started this having a conversation with my parole officer. I got into it making $8 and now I'm six figure, you know? And so I'm saying, I never really went out, went after it like that. I simply did the next thing that I needed to do to be better in the the space that I was in. Yeah, I think just do the work. Just do the work. Do the work of a social worker. Absolutely. But don't have low self-esteem about it. Exactly. Know your value and worth. Open those doors. Let those doors open. People will come to you after a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, But how did you start, how did you get your first presentation sort of gig? How did you even do that well when people start when um because my story was you know really out there as it relates to me being incarcerated Mm -hmm. and so when people start reaching out to me asking me to speak to their youth program or um speak to their women's ministry then um it was just really me going in you started doing like free you started doing that were you like excited to get up there and tell your story were you scared to death what both <laughs> I was excited. I was excited and I was scared to death. You know, I was scared to death because I'm standing in front of all these people, right? right? Being as transparent as I know how, but I was also excited because somebody cared enough, you know, to call me. Somebody noticed me and they wanted to hear my story. So, you know, yes, excited and scared. And so, what are the barriers? I, I guess the, the the barriers to all the things that you do now. Mm, the barriers. Are there any barriers left to what you want to do in the future? Well, I think the barriers now is, you know, for me, it's really finding all the venues, all the, you know, ways that I can reach people. 
you know, that I can reach individuals to help them understand that they got what it takes. You know. So you so you're like a kid in a candy store and it's like <laughs> all the candy is there. You're just trying to figure out which piece <laughs> right. you want to eat first. And that's and I think that's the way to be because social workers provide such wonderful services yes. that they should see their lives and their careers like that. Yes. So what is it that you absolutely love about what you do and what is it that you really don't like and you wish you could get rid of? Wow, wow. I absolutely love teaching individuals. I love that. So right now I have opportunity or my job consists of training master level social workers. My job consists of, you know, providing CEUs to other social workers. So I absolutely love training individuals and watching them grow. Well, plus you the know. other thing you do is teach a university class. Yes. I don't know how you have time <laughs> to do all this, but you also do that. Yes. So you love teaching. Yes. And so what do you absolutely, you know, despise mm-hmm. or you wish you could get rid of? One of the things I really wish I can get rid of is documentation. Yes. <laughs> I think a lot of people would agree with you. Yeah. I really don't like having to document everything that I do. You know, yeah. when I do um, meet with clients, that part is like, okay, we really can do without. I know what I'm doing. The client know what I'm doing. You know, but yeah. if I can do without that part, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about the managing financially the business part? Mm. Is that something you feel? Because a lot of social workers don't feel. Like they would be competent in that area. Do you feel competent in that area? Mm-mm, nope. No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Absolutely not. So, Absolutely not. So how do you? What do you do? So right. I mean, seriously. Now that's a struggle right now, it, and I'm saying it's a struggle because literally, I I literally went from zero to six figures. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If if you will, I went from employee to entrepreneur and it's something about that like we say oh I want six figures or I want to be an entrepreneur but it's a whole mindset shift mm-hmm. and so for me I had to go through this process of literally changing my mindset about the money for example when I was an employee they took out the taxes mm-hmm. now as an employer I gotta take out the taxes <laughs> and if I don't do that IRS is on my tail. You yes. know what I'm saying? So, yes. I, I mean, it, that is a struggle. And so now I realize I have to reach out and I have to have, have others, you know, help me. So do you have an accountant or what? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I had to get an accountant. Yeah. Yes. After after realizing, wait, hold on. I didn't budget my money right. That's right, girl. Because them mm. alphabet boys will come after you. Um, IRB. Or IR, what's, what? IRS. I, IRS. Uh-huh. In my case, at a university, IRB. Okay. FBI. Right. So... <laughs> Um, how do you handle stress? Wow. Um, I am, I am really, um, spiritual. And so I have, I balance my life and I literally use the same information that I teach my clients. Mm -hmm. I literally use it in my own life. So like what, what do you do exactly? So, um, I work out, Mm -hmm. I accept the fact that life is going to happen that everything is not going to go my way see I have to accept that fact right and then I have to change the things that I can change you know and recognize what I can change and then um, I meditate I get up early to take care of me first before I run out in the street and start taking care of everybody else that helps and then I set healthy boundaries 
that's that's so key. A lot of times we talk about self-care, but self-care without healthy boundaries is no care at all. That's right. You know, because now you're forcing yourself to go do something, but you're still living with, you know, the regret or the shame or the or the being upset because your husband or your children don't understand that you got to do that. Mm-hmm. And so with sudden healthy boundaries, everybody in my family, everybody that's connected to me understand that it's certain things in certain times I don't need to be bothered. Mm-hmm. They don't, I, I have minimum um, tolerance for a lot of drama. So yeah. I, I, I set yeah. boundaries on that. Don't bring me no drama. Don't even bring me your stuff, your mess, if you're not trying to change. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's so true. Serious. Preach. Mm-hmm. So what do you do for fun? Mm, for fun? Oh, so for fun, I think it's the workout. It's the mm-hmm. workout, and then sometimes um, I make time to go out to eat with my um, my family. So this is what we have now. So I have two children that's in the house now. And so it's one boy, one girl. And so each month we do a family thing. The same month it's mom and daughter, dad and son, and then mom and son and dad and daughter. So each month we, and then it's the husband wife time. So each month we have to do something, you know, for each other. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, Last question. So where do you see your future? Where do you want to go from here? So right now I'm more candy in that store. So yeah, what, I, uh, what other know, piece of candy know, you gonna pick? I know, up? I know. So right now I've actually relocated my business and I'm expanding my private practice. And so what I would like to see is for me to hire um, more social workers, more counselors to actually um, work in the firm. And um, for me to go travel and really speak and so we can empower and make others six-figure social workers. And I'm sorry I lied. So how long do you want to continue to do this type of work? Um, I got some time. I got some time in me. So, <laughs> some, yeah, I got You've been working out. You healthy. Yeah. You'll be around. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, literally, I love, I love social work. Social work, I mean, even how you just said the books is a part of the social work, and it absolutely mm-hmm. is. I literally love this. So I believe I'll do this until, you know, my expiration date, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, good. So any parting words? Well, the parting words is wherever you may be in your career, wherever you may be, don't stop. There's always something bigger, something better, something greater. There's always another person that you can touch, another city that you can go to, and understand that um, you have chosen a great field in the field of social work. Absolutely, I agree. So we're here to help you make a living while you're making a difference. So next week, Lashana will be interviewing me, and then we'll get on to interviewing all the six-figure social workers that can now come out of the closet and admit that making money while making a living, making a difference is okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, and tune in next week.